from the walls to the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is done right, but it takes some money, though. Don't be cheap. If you cheap, then people won't treat you like shit, you know what I'm saying? If, if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, you're going to get far. But a lot of people who, who, who have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes of, of, you know, prevention, not like how do you actually get into like a Bruce Lee style fight, but more like prevention. And then how do you get out of it? Like somebody attacks you, right? Cause I'm never going to take a man down, but right. I can get out of something for sure. Right. Like I can prevent it and I can, you know, get out of a grip. Um, so those types of, um, things that I were hoping will be helpful for, um, women or older people, or I mean men too, but, um, you know, people make people a little bit more confident to be out and about. Um, mm. We're also going to start um, on a situational awareness course um, to go along with these things too, because surveillance, learning surveillance is one thing, right? We, we have something called red team. So we teach surveillance and we teach surveillance detection, mm -hmm. but that's like a level up from what most people need. So right. situational awareness for, you know, your college daughter or, um, yeah. you know, your wife or whatever, and then, you know, operational defense, op def, mm -hmm. um, so they can, if they do end up, you know, getting their wrist grabbed, they can right. get out of it for sure. Yeah. And get out of there. Is this, is this all on uh everyday spy website? Mm -hmm, it is. What's it? Everyday spy.com. Everyday spy.com. Go check it out and yep. check out their podcast. It is probably my favorite podcast on this face of the earth just because <laughs> listening to the different things the different things you guys learn and 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 the ways of thinking and the critical mm. thinking and how it applies to everyday life it's just it's fucking amazing i mean everyone could benefit from that in my opinion yeah i think and the more people we have that you know start really like just really start thinking deeper like mm -hmm. the deeper conversations we can have mm -hmm. and the more information we can exchange and the the closer to truth we can get mm -hmm. so cool well thanks again yeah thank you all right all right bye everybody and they feel like they don't have time for that so yeah. how did how did that happen well, she was always there. That's the first thing, right? Oh, so y'all been together yeah, for a minute. Yeah. 20 plus, we've been rocking. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's always been there. Right. But you got to remember, too, I'm not physically going anywhere to do anything. I'm, I'm sitting here in the kitchen table on the computer, right? And I'm giving myself two, three hours to knock some stuff out, and then I got the rest of the day to do whatever. I've always kept that sense of I don't want to just be 24-7 hustling, mm. right? I've always kept that mentality. I'm a, I'm a hustle, but when I'm hustling, I'm giving it 2,000%. But when I cut it off, now I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm Jay White, first thing love. I'm, I'm out here. You so, really work three, four hours a day? Might be like five. What does a Maybe normal most. day look like for you in terms of business, in terms of work? Uh, reviewing invoices, reviewing proposals, but now I'm on the I'm on the teaching side. So now 
I'm just following up with some of my students. They might have some issues or mm. some questions or whatever the case may be, looking towards the next thing. I got real estate deals too. So right. uh, I, like I said, I just like to knock out everything within three to four hours, five tops. After that, man, I got to chill. Mm. That is a lifestyle right there. Well, bro. why work hard if throughout the day you can work all day? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we make, good money and we do certain things in the beginning so on the back half now we can kind of autopilot and coast it. I, mm. I ain't nobody still trying to work eight hours a day nine hours yeah. a day. I might well get a job for real. In the beginning it probably you probably spent more time right because I was learning. Yeah. You didn't I know. I don't got it down yeah. pat. Like, like you said I don't know. I think I should be looking at this this long. I yeah. think I should wake up early and not go to sleep. Like, I'm right, thinking right. this is how I need to operate, right? But once I got to a certain point, I'm like, man, I'm going to bed, man. Like, I'm right. good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, for me, it took marriage for that because uh, it, when it just left to my own devices, I'm going to work all day, every mm. day because, one, it's what I'm so accustomed to doing. Okay. Like, you spend years just grinding and working. Like, when you're not working, something's wrong. That's how I feel. But it took me getting married to say, okay, I need to try to wrap up by 5 o'clock, get home by 6. And what I realized is when I had less time to be productive, I was more productive. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Instead Mm -hmm. of like, because some people, they're going to quit their job and they're like, yo, I'm going to grind all day. Yeah. But if you got, if you can build something in those windows of time. And And concentrate it. And then, and then you super, super heavy because everything you're doing in that time is intentional. You're not wasting a second because you got a hard stop or a cutoff time, right? So your three hours, your four hours, or your five to six o'clock, you're going to go hard because you know you got a stopping point. Yeah. Are you every still, second count. Are you still actively, like, getting contracts, going for contracts? Yeah, man. We won uh, two this month. So, so... So far already, I won six this year. Really? Yeah. But they were sole source. I didn't have to bid. They called me. They said, hey, mm. can you purchase this product for us? When did they start? When did they start? When did they start calling you? Mm, probably like 2017. That was real pivotal. Gotcha. Around 2017, yeah. Oh, so then you didn't really have to apply for no contracts. Right. Just... I don't got to bid no more. Now if I bid, it's just to, you know, stay current. So when I'm teaching people, I, I got real-time estimation. Yeah. I like the fact that you're still actively in the game. Because yeah. most people, they'll, they're not in the game anymore. Right. They're just teaching. But from the fact they, that... They're talking from yesteryear. Exactly. And that information ain't always up to date or valid. Because changes. Yeah, right? and it, it can't help me out today, so... I I speak a lot to the people that, you know, they got all these side hustles. They got all this stuff on the table, but they just like, you know what? I'm going to give this federal government contracting a try. Mm-hmm. And once they tap in, they're like, all right, I'm going to just do this now. Right, right, you know right. I mean? So it's a good feeling. Man. So the, the, you said six contracts this year. Yeah. Uh, or in two this month. Yeah. Tell me about the two. Because you said they were talking about ordering a product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wanted to order 150 iPads. It was something real light. That's all I understand. Why do they just call Apple? <laughs> they lazy. 
That's what I be trying to tell people. The federal government lazy. They can do all this stuff themselves. However, they're mandated. That's this. I call them lazy, but they're mandated to give small businesses, minorities, women-owned, service-disabled veterans. They're mandated to give us a certain percentage of contracts are you, a year. Are you minority certified? A minority, a woman-owned, right? Is your wife fifty-one percent? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what was you about to say, bro? What was you, you was about to say something. Documentation got to read well, right? Documentation has to read well. So 51% woman-owned, small business, minority, veteran-owned. I was in the Coast Guard for uh, 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Do you have, did you do that certification yourself? Because, bro, I've... It's terrible, ain't it? Terrible. It's terrible. Yes, I did it myself. But I'm good on the phone. I'm telling you. Like, I'm, I need somebody I'm a, to just do it for me, bro. I'm amazing on the phone. So I had a lady on the phone the whole time I was filling the thing out. The whole time. Because I was like, oh, I can't I can't do this. I'm frustrated. I'm, I can't figure it out. I'm like going in on her. She's like, calm down. I'm going to help you. I said, are you going to help me for the duration? Like, right, I right, need right. you. <laughs> and she helped me. She helped me out. Do you, do you give resources, like, in, like for your students on how to get that certification? Yeah, you. I have to, man, because, all right, here's the first thing. I teach my students certifications don't win you contracts. Mm. I mean, that's just a fact. They don't win you contracts. However, comma, they do help you get into a smaller room to bid against less competition. Case mm. Five dollars a day? That's like even three. Know. Come on. It's bro. like three something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just, yeah, I, I, I always give the invitation because I feel like um, um, the community, and it's hu- literally hundreds of people, yeah. hundreds of people on the call every single day. So make sure you uh, go to themorningmeetup.com. We also got a Patreon if you want to show love to your favorite podcast. Uh, just yeah. go to patreon.com forward slash David Never Sleeps, Javon. Yep. Uh, forward slash David Never Sleeps. Make sure you go check that out. Um, and you can get, like, unreleased stuff. And hold on, Jeremy. I'm almost done, okay? I, I'm doing commercials. You got to pay the bills. I love it. Oh, dang. I don't got my my phone number. I don't know it. You know what? You know my number? Hold on. Y'all can text me. I do pick up this phone, too. I, I actually text. So I got it. 404 737 4935. Make sure you text me. Yeah, make sure you text me. All right, cool. And uh, we're right back. Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, man. Absolutely. No doubt. Thank you. Yo, real quick, and I know you got to go. We're going to close this out. But can I get like a five-minute conversation for my Patreon members? Okay. So Patreon is like people, it's like unreleased stuff. So everybody gets this. But you got like five, ten minutes. Okay. Real quick. Okay. We'll make it quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's close it out. All right. So, Jeremy, let everybody know how to find you, man. Again, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Not only just the podcast, but your uh, mentorship to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. Um, your tutelage, um, just, just, just being who you are. There's nothing that you have that... So, normally, if, 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 if they're bargaining against... Uh, they're loaning you money against a certain rate or a market, and right now, markets are like zero. So, you should get really good loans. I mean, you know, but they're not going to give away the farm, you know. 
I mean, I don't know what your assets are. It all matters. But um, you should definitely uh, try to bargain with every bank. You know, don't be afraid to bargain. And don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Because then you can play them against each other. <clears throat> but it didn't seem unreasonable what they're asking. I don't know what your assets are, but, you know. All right, good luck. You have a call. We have a call. I don't believe it. Somebody's calling. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you today? It's Ben. How's it going? Good. Good. What can we do for you? Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm actually from Toronto, uh, and I worked in a, uh, an investment shop in real estate here for the last four or five years. I got together uh, with a partner that's going to provide uh, a significant amount of capital as well as debt for us to start buying U.S. multifamily assets. And so the first place we started looking uh, was in St. Pete, St. Petersburg. And I wasn't sure. We're we're looking at either uh, larger assets, like 100 to 200 doors at a time, or we're going to buy like a large number of kind of 10, 10 to 20 unit assets. Uh, and I was curious, He's you know, breaking for up for family really deals, what you would suggest. Listen, don't come over here to St. Pete trying to buy my goddamn deals up. You stay in Toronto and buy some shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, Toronto, Canada people got to watch this. Since you humor like ours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you want to come over to St. Pete and buy up some of this good old American real estate, huh? You know why? Yeah. You know why everybody wants to come here? Tell them why you uh, can't buy it in Toronto. Uh, all the upside is priced in and we have red controls. It's called socialism, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Top marginal tax rate is 58%. Well, you know, I feel for you. But anyway, I mean, you know, a lot of guys, people from Canada down here buying real estate, I mean, and, and owning real estate. I mean, you know, you got to get with the big brokers and see if the numbers make sense for you guys. You need to get the return you're looking for. I think there's a lot of good deals getting ready to come to the table. You know, but, you know, you need to get with the guys that are moving that product and work with them. Um, you know, all the big, you used to, you know who the brokers are? Uh, yeah, I'm starting to familiarize myself. I have some connections at uh, CBRE and Abenson Young. Well, that's so it. You just, basically, you got to go around and hit them all. You got to hit them all yeah. and say, hey, listen, this is what we're looking for. What do you got? They even advertise them on there websites or whatever or get on their 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 list that they, they send out every time. But you know, you already know. You got C B R E, you got Franklin Street, you got Bricadia, you got this guy named I think he went off on his own. I think he just picked something up in St. Pete, Jamie May. Jamie May uh, he's got stuff something I think just came up in St. Pete Hit them all. You got to go to all of them and say, hey, show me what you got. And you put them on a the table. You guys are smart guys. You underwrite them, see if they make sense. But it's dangerous right now because you know even here in this capitalistic, wonderful place, you cannot evict nobody right now. You know that. 
Yeah. I don't yeah. know how long that's going to go on for, but, you know, right now you got to be careful with multifamily because I'm starting to feel a pinch in my multifamily. You know, this whole situation we're going through is definitely affecting every aspect of real estate right now. Every aspect I could think of is being affected by it, except maybe maybe grocery stores. So, um, you know, be careful right now also. You don't want to overpay because you might be looking at a, a major reduction in value soon. Yeah, no, of course. All right. Sure. Well, good luck to yeah, you. No. And uh, listen, if you stay in Tampa, stay in one of my hotels in Tampa near the airport. No, I, w- I will tell you quickly uh, that, you know, uh, my parents had a place on, on Treasure Island in the past, so I was at uh, John's Pass constantly, so I love that place. Well, good. Come back. Spend some money. <laughs> Go Thank on a you. pirate ship. Go parasailing. Go jet skiing. Go on a dolphin tour. Eat in a restaurant. Play in the arcade. Eat ice cream. Have a hot dog. What else? I made the goddamn Robert. guy. All right, take care. I made the goddamn guy. He keeps crying to me. He ain't making no money in the yogurt place. I personally bring him. I tell Matt and I tell little Ben, listen, I know we got two hot dog machines left over from uh, Hogan's Beach that we had. Put him, give the guy a hot dog machine. So I, I tell them both, they both bring him one. I had to go take one back. We're here to take up the hot dog machine. But I said, you know, put the hot dog machine there, sell them out the goddamn window of John's Pass. And make some money. And I twist his arm to do it. I had to bring him a hot dog. And he's not even my tenant. He's my neighbor. I brought him a hot dog machine for him to sell hot dogs out of his yoga joint. Anyway. And they did sell some. They sold some. You with me. But now they got to spend a little money and make it a pass-through window. The window's right on the sidewalk. You put up a freaking sign, hot dogs, you get three bucks a pop. They cost like 20 cents. And the bun's another 10. He's into the whole thing for 30, 40 cents with mustard and relish. He can sell for 10 times that. Aaron, you're going over there selling hot dogs this weekend I'm at ready. John's Pass. I'm going to buy you a hot dog cart. That's what I'm going to do. Aaron's hot dogs. Aaron's hot dogs. <laughs> Aaron's Jewish hot dogs. All right, dogs. what else we, we got? some super chats. Super Shout Jacks. out to iFix Boats. Who? iFix Boats. iFix Boats? Oh, I, hopefully my boat don't need no fixing. We fixed it. Oh, shit, I still got a boat for sale. Yeah. Now I had to move it over to that guy. Oh, that was a disaster. Trying to move the guy. Damn, nigga, fuck you, nigga. Think y'all gonna scare me and tell me about what y'all gonna do to me. you gonna rape my mama. That's been fuck you, Muslim, nigga. You niggas been pedophile for the longest. You niggas been pedophile as long as your religion been in existence, nigga. You niggas been fucking babies and boys and goats and, 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 and queers as long as Islam been in religion, bitch. I, I used to be one of you niggas. And I, and I refused to stop eating pork. So I said, fuck you, nigga. Because I, listen. I sold barbecue four years ago, and the Muslim niggas used to come through playing like they can taste pork. So one day, 
I cut the motherfucking chopped beef with pulled pork and served it to Muslim niggas, unbeknownst to them. They didn't know they was eating pork. They was chewing that motherfucking pork. Them motherfucking Muslims can't tell when they taste the motherfucking pork. So I sold them niggas pork for all summer long. Yeah, nigga, now sue me. Yeah, I sold pork till I cut the chopped beef with pulled pork all summer long and not one goddamn Muslim could tell the difference. Because all them bitches is sneaking and eating pork. Or if they ain't eating pork, they suck pussy so they taste buds is thrown off to the pork. Yeah, them there. I, I, I feel good sneaking and selling them niggas $10 chopped beef sandwiches with that pulled pork cut up in it, nigga. Straight disrespecting you, nigga. Yeah, get mad about that, nigga. I did that five years ago. Bitch ass nigga. Yeah, go try to skirt me on the internet. All you niggas trying to skirt me on the internet. Catch a plane, nigga, and show up in person and make everybody in the city say, say, them niggas out of New York City looking for you, nigga. Say, it's the niggas out of California asking about you. Do that, nigga, bad motherfucker. Make Farrakhan have a million man march down here. He ain't done nothing in a while, no way, for he getting too old anyway. Yeah, he getting too old. And Facebook don't want to hear the motherfucker. Y'all don't know what to do. You can't listen to him. Yeah, we sick of that old nigga anyway. We want to hear from NBA young boy. Don't nobody want to hear shit from Farrakhan. We want to hear from Fujiano. We don't want to hear shit from no goddamn Muslim, nigga. You nigga can't rap. <laughs> yeah, you nigga stick to provide security at the funerals and, and shaking down rappers. But don't nobody want to hear shit no nigga talking about thumping no Quran. Nigga, we want to hear from Lil Baby. We don't want to hear you bitch ass Muslim nigga. So shut up, Farrakhan. Don't go inside and talk. Don't come out here and talk. It's a new day, Farrakhan. And don't nobody want to hear no shit about no spaceship go come rescue all us niggas. If a spaceship come right now, I ain't getting on no motherfucking spaceship with no Muslim niggas. I don't trust no Muslim. Mother didn't trust you niggas. I don't trust no nigga that don't eat bacon. And all our life, we was trained and brought up to eat bacon. Any nigga don't eat bacon and suck pussy is an oxymoron to me. Period point blank. I nigga gonna give up bacon instead of putting his motherfucking head between the whole leg and suck up pussy. Nigga, fuck you, nigga. And all you niggas do it. All you Muslim niggas do it. Go quit the pole and suck the pussy. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're ignorant. Fuck you. And fuck your religion, nigga. Yeah, nigga, it's funny to me. It's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and I don't believe none of you niggas is bad enough to come do nothing to me and let the world see that y'all pussies to the white boy. Y'all didn't do nothing for Tamir Rice. Y'all didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. You bitch-ass niggas, Muslim niggas, didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. Y'all didn't do nothing for Eric Garner. Y'all let the white boy choke the big old nigga out. The big old nigga got his hands up. He's supposed to be throwing elbows. Get off me, nigga. Bigger than he was, he let the little bitty white boy jump on his back. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are down here. Them ain't the kind of niggas we are. We ain't just laying down. George Floyd 
is in Indianapolis. He just laid there and let the nigga put his knee on his neck. Nigga, fishes flop out of water. You ever seen a fish when you get him in the boat? He flopping like a motherfucker. He want to get back in the water. Fuck, that nigga didn't want to live. Don't fiend that nigga. all in the system. And the best thing could have happened to him is for him to die. The nigga left his daughter 20 million. That nigga could have lived to be 100 years old. He wouldn't have been able to leave his daughter 20 million. He couldn't have never been able to leave his pretty little daughter 20 million. They done that baby a favor. He wasn't shit. The nigga was in and out of jail. The nigga kicked in a door. Boom. That nigga kicked in a motherfucking door and put a gun to a black woman's belly while she was pregnant, robbing them. How you know that ain't his fate? He wasn't trying to redeem that. He went to making porn with white bitches. The nigga was a porn star with white bitches. So let me tell you something, Stack Five. Basketball playing ass nigga. Big old tall nigga. Fuck your brother, nigga. And fuck you too, nigga. Say, listen, if he was your brother or he was your nigga, what in the fuck that nigga was doing downtown in Indianapolis with a fake $20 bill? You must have loved that nigga that much. Nigga, I got some people I can go get $20 for, nigga. And I ain't got to go try to pass no $20 bill with no dope fiend nigga and no dope fiend bitch. That how many other situations do we misread? And that's what the book's about. And I think the answer is lots. And, and you do talk about quite a few real underdogs in the book as well. And one of the examples you were mentioning at uh, lunch today was, uh, was about this girls' basketball team. Yeah. Tell us about that and how yeah. that shaped. Well, this is one of the things I got, reasons I got started writing the book is that I ran into a guy, some of you may know, the guy who founded TIBCO, this is Vivek Ranadif. I met him at a conference and didn't realize who he was. Weirdly, by the way, I had another experience with the, in this exact same thing where I met someone at a conference, did not realize where they were, who they were, and just had a conversation about sports as a result. The first person I did this with was Larry Page, who I thought, I met him years ago, and I thought he was just a graduate student. And I had no idea. And so I was like, where did you go to school? Oh, I'm from Michigan. So we just talked about Michigan State basketball for about 45 minutes. And then afterwards, people were like, do you know who you were talking to? And I had no clue. Anyway, I did the same thing with this guy, Vivek. So he started telling me about how he coached his daughter's 12-year-old daughter's basketball team. And because he's Indian, he had no clue about basketball. So he goes to, I mean, <laughs> I, 
I can relate to that. Okay, good. Just checking. He had, there was no natural reason to assume he would know a lot about us. Uh, Underdogs. That's right, exactly. Uh, although only India, a country of a billion people, could claim to be an underdog. Um, so Vivet goes and studies in his kind of software engineer kind of way, goes to study basketball games and becomes convinced that Americans are completely irrational in the way they play basketball because he doesn't understand why if you are the weaker party in a game, you don't do the full court press all the time because you're going to lose otherwise, right? And by not playing the full court press, you are allowing your opponent to do the, precisely the thing that your opponent excels at, which is to, to pass and dribble and execute choreographed plays. Why would you speed their, uh, their, um, uh, their uh, why would you, why would you allow them to give, why would you, why would you give them the easiest possible route to doing the thing that makes them better than you. So he says, your only hope is to slow them down and to defeat them at the things they're not expert at, i.e., play the full court press. If it fails, so what? You're going to lose anyway. But at least you've, you've raised your chances of losing from 95% uh, to, something, to something less than 95%. Right? So he teaches this, takes this group of and he, this is relevant to him because his daughter's team is utterly without any talent whatsoever. These are, <laughs> these are the very, very, very skinny, somewhat nerdy daughters of programmers from Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, so he does this, and he, his strategy is we're not going to learn, you're not going to learn how to shoot, dribble, or pass. Um, we're not even going to practice any kind of offensive plays. What you're going to do is we're, I'm going to get you in really, really good shape, and I'm going to teach you to do this for the entire game. And what happens is that if you do this for the entire game in a basketball game made up of 12-year-old girls, the other team will not advance the ball past midcourt. And so Vivek's team starts to win by scores like 8 nothing, And... <laughs> Um, and they advance to the national championships. Um, it's so, it's such a hilarious story. And of course, the opponents are so um, flummoxed by this, first of all, and then outraged because the thing that Vivek is playing with his girls is not actually basketball, right? If you don't dribble, pass, or shoot, um, and have no intention of so doing. And if the score at the end of the game is something like 6 nothing, that's not basketball. That's another sport. Um, and so they throw chairs on the court. They challenge him to fistfights in the parking lot. They scream at the refs. And he is sort of massively indifferent. To him, this is more of the strange idiosyncrasies of the American sporting personality. <laughs> and, uh, but I love what I, it, that's a, that is a lovely illustration of my very point because why does Vivek 
Why is he compelled to follow this strategy? Because he's got nothing, right? He's got bubkas. He, his girls are incapable of playing the game of basketball, right? So what does that do? It spurs him to find a completely alternate strategy that's far more successful. And this is, of course, the great story of innovation, right? That nothing, um, uh, uh, nothing acts as a greater spur to innovation than um, the absence of advantage. Um, so if that's the case, you know, there must be situations where it is not advantageous to have advantages, right? If his girls, the only situation where he's better off is if his girls are really talented. So there's a series of conditions. You can be, you could have no talent, you can have massive talent, and you can be anywhere in the middle. The only situation where he could also have reached a national championship is in the 99th percentile condition where his team is massively talented. But, but had he been in anything other, so he's in the 1% condition. That's advantageous because that forces you to play the full court press. The 99th percentile condition is advantageous. But the 2 through 98 is not advantageous. Do I think I'm smart? Define smart. Like, like the str strategic thinker, just like just the, the, the smartest person in the room. No, for I'm not the smartest I feel like in the I, I don't feel like I'm... Um, I honestly don't feel like I'm that smart in terms of mm -hmm. like... Um, in... I don't know. I, don't, I can't say not intelligent, but there's some things that my mind just doesn't process. So right now... I still don't 100% understand how you monetize Twitter, even though you told me. And my mind's trying to follow it. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, okay, you send people to the banner, but do they pay? And you systematize. That's why I feel like you just, you look, you see things in pictures. So well, in terms can of- Can you clearly define see things in pictures? All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it. And we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So it's about that time. We put together our Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay. So check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is, um, the support is appreciated. Okay, thank you so much. Now back to the episode. So for instance, um, I had a friend. Um, he was never afraid to talk to women. Uh, that was always my thing. I was just, I always take the friend. I just know going <laughs> to a situation, I'm going to take the friend. It's all good. But in his head, he knows how this thing's going to work out. Right. It's almost like a visionary. From, Visionary from walking up, what he's gonna say, what she's gonna say, how it's gonna go, his rebuttal, 
where they're going to go later. But that's based on experience. That's all that is. You can predict the future where you know what you know. Mm. And that's what happened with your boy. He done been through it so many times, he can already predict the next move. The thing is, I think, so for instance, in these interviews, I never know how they're going to go. We've done uh, hundreds, of, over hundreds of joints. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, even like if I'm, if I'm building a business, it's always like a real organic thing. Like we didn't run no ads to the morning meetup. We have like hundreds and hundreds of people in it. But literally day to day, I'm just focusing on delivering today. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to get into it now. I look at the numbers and analytics, stuff like that, but I just don't I don't know if I put the whole play together in my head. I just keep walking. Like, remember I asked you, I, okay, I got this product and this product, and I don't know what to do. You're like, well, okay, structure it this way, put it in the funnel, this you're going to run traffic to that. And, like, and even after the call, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. And then I hang up. I was like, hold on, what he said? <laughs> I was looking at my notes like, uh, that's why I'm saying, like, smart. But you told me something we was at a restaurant. Um where you were like, yo, you don't even have to be smart. You mm-hmm. said something like that earlier mm-hmm. today. Explain that. Do you remember? Yeah. No, I feel like people focus on the wrong thing to be wealthy. And the reality is if you focus on certain key elements, key points, you can accomplish that. One is relationships. If you can master relationships, You'll get opportunities that the normal person would never get because they don't have the relationship. Mm. The second thing is making sure you have the drive to do it, being persistent and consistent. Those three, being consistent, and persistent with the right networking skills to build relationships, the people skills, with those three is a combination for wealth. Dang, that's crazy. It's easy. And then by you knowing this information, you can utilize it in a way where you have the ups on anybody you meet because or that's trying to do the same thing you're trying to do because you understand that that's what you need because the information is going to come based on a relationship. If right now I wanted to start let's say an e-com brand and I knew nothing about e-commerce I can call one of my relationships and now I know everything because he's just going to tell me. And then you'll consistently work at it and be persistent once things don't go well. You God, and it just hit me because the same example that I was using like with this podcast, I, those are the only three things I have. I'm consistently dropping every single week. I'm persistent. I'm, I'm going to get the interviews. And I'm I'm just focused on good relationships. 
done. Dang, that's genius. You are smart. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. So now if you think about it, like we built our relationship, right? You decided you have morning meetup. You want to create more products to add more value to your audience. What we did, we got on a call, gave you my time, and you, like, we mapped out something crucial. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know that before the call. See if you in shape. See if you can run three miles. Let's go, what do, but we go show the world all we know how to do is when we can't think, we fight. Nah, homie, that's why you niggas broke. That go for Bosco. That's all that's why them niggas broke at their mama house, homie. On to Bosco, right? Um, we did an interview and we spoke about um how gangs yeah, he doesn't I agree with you. He doesn't agree with your your input on. Well, he said gang. Yeah. He 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 made it like gangs was positive. He's saying that people outside of gangs do crime too. Oh, uh, we ain't saying about what gangs do crime. Gangs wake up to kill black people. People who commit crimes don't wake up to kill black people. Gangs don't commit crimes. Gangs kill black people. The niggas don't wake up and go rob and snatch persons. They don't gangs don't wake up and break in the car. They wake up to go put in work and kill black people. That's all they do. Nothing else. They don't exist to do nothing else. So what in the fuck he talking about? That nigga got to be the dumbest motherfucker in the world. Yeah, he got to be the dumbest motherfucker. That's why he can't get out of his mama house. And parody accounts, Cat Williams, Will Ferrell, Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Kevin Hart. I was literally creating parody accounts. I took that same formula and creating an agency with it where I can do that same exact thing, not only for celebrities and parody accounts, but for celebrities, parody counts for myself and then the average everyday normal person and helping them build their social media channel. So so I, I, I want to talk about two things. One, the Grumpy Cat and the parody accounts, because I, I don't quite understand those, but the mm-hmm. Grumpy Cat, mm-hmm. how did you make a viral creature? I don't understand. Yeah, a viral, <laughs> viral pet. So, oh, basically, <laughs> so that, so that the, the cat is called... Grumpy Cat, mm-hmm. right? The real name is Tatar. That's the real name, Tar. It's a female cat. I seen the cat, and I was like, yo, this gonna go. And I created the first meme. What do you mean? You saw the cat, like, at somebody's I, house? Or? I, no, I literally seen it on the internet. Seen the cat. I was like, yo. This is going to hit. At the time, and, and you know what? I lived my whole life in 80-20 rule. I do 80% of what works, and I test that 20%. And then usually that 20% is usually what bring you 80% of the results. So I did the same thing. So I was focusing on Cat Williams, Will Ferrell, 
and Angelina Jolie, Jim Carrey. I had all these different accounts that was like blowing up on social media. So the Grumpy Cat was just like a test project. I wasn't even like serious. Seen the cat, created the memes, started the started the Twitter page, and freaking it just blew up like crazy. So you seen a cat on the internet, and you say, "I'm gonna make this cat go viral." Mm-hmm. How did you make that happen? Just basically doing all of my strategies. It was like back then you had the retweet strategy, so it was like a bunch of meme pages. Right, that was all building from scratch, and we all create like now we do telegram groups. Back then, it was like little DM chat, like chats that we had, and we used to just like, yo, we're gonna do five retweets, and then we're gonna do a shout out. Five retweets, then a shout, so you get a little sample of what the posts are, and then you do the shout out at the end. I was up like. 20 hours a day doing that all freaking day. Why? What's the point? Now, let me get to it. So, you know a guy named Maddie J? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Maddie J (laughs) called me up and he was like, yo, Spec, you can make money off of tweeting. So, that's what started make, that's what made me start putting focus on it because I was like, yo, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is how I make money. Mm. And I started building the accounts up because the more money I was, the more money I could make, it was based upon how many followers I can gain. So I started growing as many followers as possible. That's what made me start creating massive parody accounts. And I started scaling horizontally. And I started taking all of these accounts and I started buying real estate, digital real estate. I'll start buying accounts on top of me growing accounts. And I use those accounts to now grow these accounts. So now Grumpy Cat, as I'm creating these, these memes and everything like that, and just making it real funny with the little meme mug face. And it just, and I put it on autopilot. I literally wasn't even worried about the cat. It was just going like I had it everything scheduled out I had the page going I I had like just normal retweets going out mm-hmm. and I went back to it and it went from 30,000 followers I came back 30 days later it had like 300,000 followers Dang. like in 30 days and I wasn't even paying it no attention so at that point I started paying it attention. I was like, oh, this about to go. So that's but when what I... What Maddie, when he was saying you can make money off tweeting, I still don't know how to make money off tweeting. Okay, so it was a, it was a website called mylights.com. And off this website, mylights.com, you do traffic acquisition, which basically means that I'm going to send traffic to the website and sell ads against it. Mm. So, people are bidding in real time for banner placements on the website. And once we send the traffic, which is from little links, we might say, yo, six six ways to know your man is cheating on you. Click the link below. Boom. They click the link. They go to go rush to learn how they know if they man cheating <laughs> on you. And we got ads on that. We make money. At that point, I was making... Like 
three to five thousand dollars a day. Passive. Really? Passive. It was a passive income. Because once I figured out the formula, I put it on autopilot. I start automating everything. And that's how Grumpy Cat took off because it was automated. All the rest of my accounts is automated. So I was running like, I was running like 30 accounts mm. all at one time, posting at least like 10 tweets a day. Dang. Viral content. It just took off. Yeah, and then I realized that I can do that. I had that skill set. And I was like, well, celebrities already got the followers. All I got to do is do a partnership. I utilize my skill set on growing millions of followers on Twitter and transition to Facebook because now Facebook took over. Facebook was now the new way to make money because Twitter kind of like took a dive. What year is this around about? This was around, I think like 2010. Girl. And it it just took off. It took off like crazy on Facebook because Facebook algorithm. The best 125 ever Oh, so it profit 125. Yeah, to me, yeah. It was the best 125 ever. Because I ain't do nothing for it. Well, obviously, I worked for it. You know, right? yeah. Making the phone calls, reading the documents and stuff like that. But What was the contract? Grease traps. I didn't even know what it was. I got eight grease trap contracts right now. I still don't really know what they do. I just know they go to the canteen. They got these big old holes and they suck grease out of, out of a trap. That's all I know. Like, I, I still don't even see it, but that's the first one I won. 125 bucks. The guy, shout out to Mr. Jacks. He hooked me up. How'd he hook you up? Because he gave me the game. He was like, no, your price is too high. Go back and get me another price. I did that. He said, you didn't even sign these five documents that you got to sign. Go back and sign all five. But guess what? He, the biggest thing he did, you remember when you said, why don't the government just give us the price and then we go from there? He gave me the price. He gave it to me. He's, and they're not supposed to do that. Oh, so he you're said, calling to a relationship with him. I said, I was just rocking with him. He was rocking with me, Mr. Jackson. He was just rocking with me. He gave me the price of how much money they wanted to be allocated towards the contract. Wow. And I just made it that. It was $16,200. So I was like, all right, my quote is for $16,200. Come to find out I was the only company bidding on it. That's why I won. So that's why he was helping me out so much. But I went a lot of contracts so like why, that. But I'm saying, why did you only make 125 Did the company you found, they were too high? I gave the company the budget for the government. I was like, hey, it's $16,200 for the year. Can we make this work? It was like, oh, yeah, we're going to charge you 14000 Yeah, yeah. I'm like, cool. You under 16 too. I'm good. Gotcha. <laughs> right. And that's why I messed up it. But yeah. it was the gift and the curse because I won. And then I figured, started to figure stuff out. I, now, after that, though, I didn't win my next one. It took me two months to win my next one. So three years, no contracts. How diligent were you in submitting these contracts over this three years? Was it like, I'm going hard or like yeah. kind of stop and go or what? Your content is terrible. Everything you post, nothing gets likes, nothing gets shares, nothing gets comments. It's 
terrible. But there's only a couple reasons why you're uh, you're either terrible at creating content or you're not creating content at all. Number one is you don't know what to say. You don't know what you should be putting out. Number two is you don't know how to say it or you don't know how to post. You don't know how to make a video and put words at the top. Number three, you don't understand the importance of creating content. Or number four, you're afraid of something. I don't know if you're afraid of being judged. I don't know if you're afraid of the the new brand direction that you're going into. I don't know what you're afraid of. You don't like how you look on video. I don't know. But there's four reasons why you're not creating content. And this is why I create, I had the idea to create the content creation boot camp. Okay. People are flying in from all across the country to attend these boot camps, and every single one sells out. Every single content creation boot camp we've had since January has sold out. And this is our fifth one. Okay. So listen, if you want to have content that converts, and you want to be a six-figure content creator. Listen, I built a seven-figure podcast in a very short period of time, and I'm actually teaching the podcast blueprint. It's absolutely amazing. Over a three-day period, you can come to Atlanta and see me in person, me and my content creation friends. They're absolutely amazing. Wednesday, all networking event. I pay for Top Golf. I pay for all the food. You just come, network, leave your wallet at home. You're good. You're going to network with other content creators and people that want to create content. Thursday and Friday is a two-day intensive workshop, nine to four, both days. You need to be there. We're going to tackle everything. You will not leave with questions. That's my guarantee to you. You will come and you will not leave with questions unanswered. If that happens or if you have questions, I'm going to sit there as long as I need to to make sure that you're creating the content. You get all your questions answered. All right? So click the link below. I'll see you at the boot camp. The first year was all, I went hard. Mm. I went super hard. Second year, I was scourged. Super self-doubt. I was like, this ain't for me. I was like, I can't even hold a conversation with these people the right way. Um, The third year, my man got out of prison. Oh, your man, (laughs) I was telling you about it. My man got out of prison, and he started to talk about it again, but I told him what I've been doing. I said, bro, this is what I've been doing. I just can't figure it out. Whoop. But, you know, he still really didn't know what to do, but he just gave me the encouragement. He put the battery back in my back, mm. and I just went back hard again. Is he a government contractor now? Yes, sir. That's my boy. Got to put my boy. Yo, that's, that's <laughs> lit, though, because he tells you he gets locked up, you go hard, then he comes out, and I guess you teach him I the give game. him the game. I give him everything that I'm, I've learned to that point, and then when I started to win, you already know I got to get my guy the sauce. Yeah, yeah he got yeah. out of sauce now. So that's that's why you kind of put together like your program. Absolutely, you. yeah. Because you, you know, I I was going through it. The information on um, YouTube was trash. It was literally having me spin my tail around, and I was in the same spot. I just couldn't figure it out. These people talking all these government jargon, Mm. which makes it scary. You know what I mean? Like, they're saying all these words that nobody knows what it means. And even if you do go look at the definition, still like, okay, how does that pertain to what I'm trying to do? Because everybody wants you to do the work. I don't want to do the work. I don't, okay, 
I didn't have the means to do the work. I had little money, no money, no resources. So I couldn't do it if I tried. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I can outsource it. I can have somebody else do it. But everything that I was learning on YouTube was telling me to do the work. And I gotcha. just couldn't vibe with it. Dope. All right, so three years, no contracts. You get one, $125. Well, $25, baby. Next two months. You have a third, a third, a third. A third goes to the guy on that side of the canal. You need a third for traffic to come through the middle. And you need a third for that guy on that side of the canal. So you have to make sure your boat's not too wide off the dock to stick out to where you go past the third of that space. Or else you can't keep your boat there. So anyway, he's got to shorten his dock for me. <laughs> I'll pay for that. All right, so... You went down to Fort Lauderdale. I went to Palm Beach, went to Fort Lauderdale, went to Miami, went everywhere. Everywhere. And you know, I while we were there, I think Trump was having a party in Jupiter. We didn't even know it. We drove past uh, where Trump lives in um, Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. And, man, what a dead-ass place that is. That place is... Yeah. I mean, you got your fancy homes, you got your ocean, your beach, but it's, like, dead. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't want to live like that. I don't even want to keep a boat in a place like that. You know, there's nothing going on, and everybody's, you know, very hidey tidy. And um, we got over on a right. free lunch. We got over on a free we lunch. Had a great lunch. Free brunch. We ate. Uh, we wanted to go eat in the Breakers. Was the Breakers is where Palm Beach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Breakers. Was well, Breakers in Fort Lauderdale? No, it's it's Palm Beach. The Breakers. Breakers Palm, Palm Beach. So we went to the Breakers. Sure. Yeah, we were trying to go eat lunch. What do we go and anyway? So the restaurant was under construction, and we had. But they own a restaurant in town, which called. Forgot. <laughs> I think it's named after the guy that started the town. Isn't it like. Some, Henry's, Henry's Flagler. From Flagler, the guy that started, the big rich guy that started the whole damn thing down there. Anyway, so they, they have a restaurant there in town, and we got lucky because this place was expensive. You know, it's West Palm Beach and all that, so the waitress knocks over a champagne glass that Carla was drinking. Yeah. And the glass kind of blew on some of the food. Some of it, not most of it. Anyway, they were really nice. The waiter comes and uh, the meet the manager comes over and he says, "No, absolutely, you know, takes all the food away. You know, we we, we half ate the food already, <laughs> and he brings all new food. Wouldn't charge us. I mean, those people must be tough in that town because these people that work there. Are, oh, oh my God! Oh my God! A glass broke. You know, and uh, so anyway, we toured everywhere. everywhere. So now here we are." What night is the night? Can you keep track of it? I honestly Tuesday? think we went Wednesday. Wednesday. We went to over 20 marinas. No, 25. And they were all too expensive. And I they charge more I for a fucking all. piece of water. A little slip of water. It's crazy per square foot. It's only water. It's not even land you're getting. That's how much they're charging. Oh, my God. They want like $2. Some of these high-class places want $2 a foot At least per day. Seven grand if a your month. boat's 100 feet, that's 200 bucks a day. That's 30 days in a month. That's $6,000 a month for a fucking slip of water. And in Miami, you it's, talk about, it's about oh, seven. Man, they're making money. 
especially Miami. Oh my and god. Florida. And they don't have that I barely have any amenities. Some of them don't have shit to give you. Uh so anyway, we're working on it. Alright, I hope anybody's out there, they got any problems, they got any questions, call in. Alright, and uh see if we can do. But right now, let me tell you, your real estate is a danger zone. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I'm not smart enough to know how these banks are handling. I know a lot of people ain't paying. See, at first, the government was handing out money. They're giving out the extra unemployment. Everybody was paying their rent. See, multifamily was staying strong. But now, I hear, 